Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. And I'm going to read a short chapter, six verses out of Isaiah. I've always hesitated of preaching about this because I didn't want people to think I was weird. Why are you laughing? And um, because... You know, if you if you believe the Bible, if you take this literally, it's this pretty. This is pretty hard to believe. This these six verses, it's pretty out there. You know, and just to think about it, you know, act, this is connected to the two main prophecies in the Book of Acts. The first one, Acts chapter two, the basic prophecy was where he was preaching from Joel in the last days. I'm going to pour out my spirit on the whole world, all mankind. That's what he said he was going to do. And then you go 15 chapters over, the next major prophecy, when they're trying to figure out when it actually started to happen, they were getting really nervous about it. It actually, it wasn't just in Jerusalem now, it's, it's really starting to happen. Paul's out there in, in Turkey preaching and thousands of people are getting saved. What are we going to do about this? And, and James stood up and prophesied, this is what the prophet Amos said was going to happen in the last days. That I would go and rebuild the tabernacle of David that was fallen down. And he would build the, the local church is what James said this was. He says this is God's prophetic, begin, the beginning of the fulfillment of God's prophetic word. That he will p- put gatherings, congregations in every tribe and every tongue. And it will be a, a, a habitation of unveiled worship, Davidic worship, people worshiping spontaneously in the presence of God. So this is the beginning of that, he said, in Acts chapter 15. Well, here we see this is connected to that, Isaiah 4. This is really, really hard to believe, but we're going to read it and see if we can believe this. Do you believe the Bible? Okay. And so I think um, Brian Simmons touched on the first verse here when he was here, I think, in one of the sessions. He says, seven men will take hold of one man on that day, saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name and take away our disgrace. Now, let's, we're gonna, let's just think about that verse before we read the rest of it, because it gets pretty bizarre real quick. But this... This is one of those passages, many of the passages, especially the Messianic promises, have multiple fulfillments in the, in the Bible. You, you could see some things that Isaiah said about, um, about Isaiah, in Isaiah 7.14, he talked about the, the virgin would conceive. And, and there, there was partial fulfillments in that day, and there was a complete fulfillment in Christ of many of Isaiah's prophecies. In this one, he's describing a day when there would be, um, there would be a, 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 a war, there would be a famine, there'd be, they'd be taken into a captivity, and there'd be a, a lack of, after, after wars, sometimes there's a lack of males because they all get killed. And so there is, you know, these women were clamoring for a husband because they needed, you know, it's in, in, they didn't go out and get a job. They, there was no, really, a lot of times there weren't jobs for women. Is anyone listening to me? It's not like, not like it is now. So they had to be married. So they had that. But then there was another thing, and, and, and Brian Simmons talks about it. He says here, 
in this in the notes um, in the passion on Isaiah 4 verse 1. He says the women of Zion can also be a metaphor for the churches. There's coming a day when the church will become so destitute of answers that she will turn to the one man, the Lord Jesus, and take hold of him. We have taken hold of the we have taken hold of the world and we've taken hold of clever ideas. But the seven women, the seven churches of Revelations 2 and 3 are about to lay hold of, his, of their beloveds. The church will long for him. That he would feed us his bread and we would wear his garments. We, will, we, we want to be called by his great name. The shadow of his beauty will remove our disgrace. So it's describing... A season, this, as we read the rest of this, this is a, a clear prophecy about the last day, the last day church. Could be talking about us or the, what's beginning to happen in the earth today. And it says one of the things that you're going to see is there's going to be a, a desperation of the bride, the beloved, is going to become so desperate, so frustrated by, of, of, of the world and the world not having the answers, that she's going to become so desperate like the woman with the issue of blood that she doesn't care. She's going to press through and she's going to get a hold of him no matter what. This is the true prerequisites for a move of the Spirit of God. The church, the believers, the brides become desperate. They want him more than anything else. You know, it's not just enough to believe in him and go to church now and then and, and to have, do a few little things for the Lord. It's a desperation for intimacy with God, for him to be your passion, him to be your husband, him to be your all in all, that he's mine and I'm his. So this, this is how he starts this prophecy about the most unbelievable revival that the world will ever see. He talks about a desperation in the beloved in the church. A holy desperation seizing the body of Christ. It's a work of God. It's a work of God, a spiritual, a unprecedented spiritual hunger. Let it grip you. Let the hunger for God, let it grip you. Let it grip you to the depths of your being where you say, I, I need him more than I need anything else. Let the hunger for God grip you deeply. Then look what happens. This next five verses are just crazy. It says, on that day, when that happens, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the earth will be the pride and the beauty of the survivors. And it will come about that the one who's left in Zion and remains behind in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purge the bloodshed of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Now listen to this. Then the Lord will create over the entire area of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and a smoke and the brightness of a flaming fire by night on all his gathering, on all his congregations. For over all, in a brightness of a flaming fire by night, for over all the glory will be a canopy. The word canopy was the Jewish word for the, is the, the, the marriage hoopah that they have in the Jewish wedding. 
There's going to be a wedding canopy over his church. And that wedding canopy is going to be the glory of God. There will be a shelter to give shade from the heat by day and a refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. Now, it sounds very strangely familiar to what happens in the, in the wilderness, in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the 40 years. There was a, a cloud over the congregation. There was a fire over the congregation. We have a new and better covenant based on better promises. There's more power in his church than there was in the Old Testament gathering of the people. There's more power in us and on us than they ever dreamed to have in the Old Testament. And this passage is describing a revival where the the manifestation of the glory of God will rest visibly on his church. Do you believe it's true? Okay, let's let's look at a couple things in this passage. Isaiah 4, 5, and 6. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed from Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create over the entire area of Mount Zion over and over her assemblies a cloud by day and a smoke and the brightness of a flaming fire by night. Over all the glory will be a, a canopy. Over the last few years, this is just a part of a blog that I wrote. Over the last few years, revival has become the talk of the church. Everyone has a different view of what revival should look like. In today's passage, we catch a glimpse of God's view of revival. The first part of verse 5 in today's passage immediately makes everyone quite uncomfortable. The Lord says, He will wash away the filth of the daughters of Zion, the church. No one wants to talk about that part of revival. We all want the crowds, you know, the fruit. The Lord is after the fruit more than anyone. But, but this painful part must come first. Outpourings of the Spirit begin with exposing, cleansing, and regretfully purging. That's what Isaiah is seeing in this vision. The Lord washes away the sin, and then the cloud and fire come. He washes it away. Do you try to cover it? Or do you expose yourself before him and let him take it or wash you? Wash me, Lord. Wash me. Wash me. Lift your hands. Say, wash me, Lord. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Wash me, Lord. I'll be whiter than snow. Wash me again in the blood and in the spirit and in the word. Wash me, Lord. So this exposing and cleansing of sin is never fun. But what follows makes the cleansing part a distant memory. After the filth is washed away, the cloud of His glory comes on the scene. In this cloud is the very fire of God. This fire moves from cleansing to empowering, revealing, and filling our hearts with passion. The results of this amazing outpouring is seen in verse 2. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be fruitful. The, the branch of the Lord will be, will be fruit. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the earth will be the pride and beauty of the survivors of Israel. The fruit of his outpouring is bigger and more amazing than we can know. So bring revival, Lord. It may be painful, but we know it's glorious. Thank you, Jesus. Wash us. 
Wash us. Lord, let your fire come. Lord, let your fire come. Let the light expose the stuff that you don't want in our life. Expose it, Lord. And Lord, let your fire purify. Let it transform us. Lord, let the beauty of Christ wash over us and make us new, Lord. Now, here we go into the next part, the tabernacle of fire. This is out of, um, I'm going to read this same, these two verses out of the Passion. Then Yahweh will create over all of Mount Zion and over every gathering a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. And all this, the manifestation of dazzling glory, will spread over them like a wedding canopy. It will be a tabernacle as a shade from the scorching heat of the day and a safe shelter to protect them from the storm and the rain. This has to be one of the most powerful and descriptive looks at the Lord's church at the end of the age. It's not weak and hiding, but it's glorious and powerful. Isaiah describes the church as incredibly supernatural. You know, think of the children of Israel for 40 years had the cloud and the fire. It literally scared the fire out of the nations around them. They wouldn't mess with them because of the glory that was on them. There is glory on the house and in the house. We need it now more than ever. In this generation, in this wicked generation... In this sinful generation, in this generation that can't figure out what's a boy and what's a girl. In this generation, in this generation, we need the fire. We need the fire of God. We need the power of God. We need the, the manifest glory of God in our meetings, in our midst, more than ever before. We need it. We need it desperately. Of course, Mount Zion is a prophetic word for the church in the whole earth in the last of days. It's marked by a supernatural sign that resides on it like the children of Israel in the wilderness journey. Can you imagine the effect this will have on the world? Apparently, there will be a cloud encompassing the gathering of the Lord's people during the day and a glowing fire at night. Does this say this in the Bible or not? I mean, is this, is this symbolic is it, or is it real? I believe we haven't seen anything yet. We've experienced major outpourings over the last 50 years in the church. We've, we've been overcome by His power, enraptured with His love, and intoxicated with His joy. In this passage, if this, if this passage and others are correct, a season of unprecedented signs and wonders is yet to come. It has to before Jesus returns. It has to. If the Bible's real, if the Bible's true, it has to. There has to be an unprecedented, unprecedented outpouring of the supernatural signs and wonders that have never happened in the earth before. If this passage and others are correct, a season of unprecedented signs and wonders is yet to come. The church gathering is becoming a place of healing love that covers us like a blanket. I mean, just, just think of the one thing. How many, I mean, I don't know the numbers, the figures. They're, they're, they're astounding. They're outrageous. But the people, the people that have OD'd and died of fentanyl poisoning in the last year is shocking. There's been thousands and thousands of 
people dying suddenly. There's, there's, there's thousands of people right now that are addicted to pain medication. Hundreds of thousands in our country. Without the power of God, it's hopeless. You can't talk that stuff out of people. It's addictive. It's addictive. That stuff has to, the power of God has to break that stuff off of people's lives. It's the only solution. So, yeah, so there, the church gathering is becoming a place of healing love that covers us like a blanket. Without the power of God, Mary's song would never have happened. There would never have been the fruit that we've seen come out of that ministry. The, 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 the powerful testimonies of young women changed by the power of God. That would never happen without the supernatural. But it has to increase. There has to be more. There has to be hundreds more of people being changed and touched by the power of God. Then this, this house and houses like this are, are a, a delivering hospital for people addicted to drugs. It's a place of addictions being broken from off of people's lives. It's like a, the cloud comes in. It's not just so you feel good and laugh. Something real is happening when that comes. The glory comes. The church gathering is becoming a place of healing love that covers us like a blanket. In this place of intimacy with God, all things are possible. Many heroin and opioid users are being freed. Alcoholics made new. Immoral people are finding purity and holiness. The sick and oppressed are healed, being healed. This is the day of his outpouring. I think I can smell the fire and the smoke of heaven moving into his house. If that's what you want. If that's what, do you want just a, a facade? Just talk about revival and sing songs about revival, but live like the rest of the morons out there in the world? I don't want to live that way. There's a better way to live our lives. We don't have to be stumbling, drunken fools to think we're having a good time. I was embarrassed today. I don't even want to say this. I was embarrassed today looking at some of the crowd shots in the Saints game. Drunk, drunk, drunk. Uh, who that? Uh, drunken fools. I don't want to be that way. That's not my life. That's not who you are. That's not who you want to be. There's a better way. There's a better joy. There's something that will not en ensnare you and entrap you in sin and its clutches. But there's something that will liberate and empower you. It's in this house. It's in this house. You know, you know why, why I'm criticized and victory's criticized? It's because of the substance that's in this house. That's why. It's real. It's life-changing. It's why they hated Jesus. He could talk all kind of sweet sermons, but when Lazarus got raised from the dead, that was it. They wanted to kill Lazarus and him. 
It's the power. It's the anointing. It's the, it's the Christ, the anointing. It's the power of his presence in the church. It's what this world needs. The spirit of antichrist, the word Christ means anointing. Anti-anointing. That's the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is in the mouth of many preachers. And they preach against the anointing. So we'll finish with this. This is verse 2 and 3 out of the Passion. In that day, everyone say in that day, the branch of Yahweh will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the earth will be the pride and glory of the remnant of Israel. The remnant of, then the remnant of, in Zion and in Jerusalem, those who are written for life in Jerusalem will be called holy. I love how God's glory and our joy are inseparable. In this passage, Isaiah is prophesying about the glory of the church at the end of time. He's describing Jesus as the branch. Jesus is the branch. He is that branch that Isaiah prophesied about. Jesus talked about it in John 15. I'm the, I'm the vine, and he even called us the branches. He's, um, so, yeah, so, um, where was I here? The, I, 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 la, la. He is describing Jesus as the branch and the fruit of the earth displayed in his humanity. Through his work of redemption, we too have become beautiful and glorious and are also the fruit of the earth. At the end of all this is the glory of God. Everything he does displays his glory, especially his work of redemption. We have become his holy ones through faith in the precious blood of Jesus. The pure fruit displayed in our lives is the glory of the Lord. Your testimony is the glory of the Lord. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. The testimony of Jesus in your life is the glory of the Lord. That's what brings glory to the Lord. Your testimony, the reality of God in your life is the glory of the Lord. What is he after? He's after fruits. He's after this earth to be filled with his glory. The fruit of redemption. Changed lives. The fruit flowing out of our lives, changed lives. People take a look and they say, I know what you used to be, but you're not that person anymore. That's the fruit of Christ. So over the last few years, there's been a major increased interest in the study of our heritage because of the breakthroughs in DNA research. You know, you spit in the tube, they figure out where you came from, right? I did that. It caused a real drama in my family. All the myths of our family lore were exposed. We went spit in the tube. Boom. It was over with. No, your great-grandma wasn't a Cherokee Indian. You're from, you're from Great Britain is where you're from. Forget about it. It may be fun to check out what, what your ancestral heritage is. But something a million times more amazing is our new heritage. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Your biological heritage doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It really has nothing to do with anything. We are connected. We say, I have a different DNA and a different heritage. It's a spiritual DNA. I've been grafted into this branch. 
I've been grafted into him and he's in me and I'm in him. And his life is the literal life of God is in my in my body and in your body now flowing in his church. Um, so, yeah, so we are connected to the prophetic branch called Jesus Christ as we abide and remain in him. We produce fruit, his fruit for the glory of God. What is the result of all this? I'm filled overflowing with joy, and his glory is put on display. <laughs> the glory of God. So, yeah, the Lord is all about his habitation, about his church. It doesn't really matter if it's <clears throat> a brick building or a metal building or a, a lean-to tent. It has, what matters is what's in it. The clouds and what's on it, the clouds, the fire, the fire of his glory. And in order to have that, you've got to be willing to let him wash you, to be cleansed, to be cleansed of things in your life that just aren't right and you know they're not right. Let him wash you. It's the beginning of change. It's the beginning of the glory. And then he washes you and makes you clean. And then his anointing comes upon you. And his, his anointing comes upon individuals in the congregation. The, there's, a, there's a multiplication that happens. It's more and more people in the church are filled with the fire of Pentecost. It increases the corporate anointing in the church. Yeah, the more carnality that's in the church... It decreases the anointing. There has to be a corporate, a corporate cleansing, a corporate purity, a corporate openness for God to have for these this last day. This this is this is it. This is the end. This is this. Is what happened. This is really the last thing that happens for Christ before Christ returns. His glory being poured out and seen in every tribe and tongue, every village and city in the world. That's what that's what's happening right now. It's happening right now. It's happening in Africa. It's happening in, in South America. It's happening right now. It needs to happen again in America. It has to happen again in our in our in this continent in North America. Well, yeah, yeah. Post Christian, forget about it. It's going to be a present day Christian revival awakening in this continent once again. Where does it start? It starts with you. That's where it starts. You have to become that. Desperate woman that wants the husband. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.